Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. When Elaine Mallon's mother died unexpectedly, she was unprepared for how life-changing and how painful it would be to process this primal loss. And when she didn't find the resources that she needed, she wrote the book, that she desperately needed. Now, Elaine is here today to talk about the grieving process and to offer insight and compassionate perspective on the journey faced by those in grief. Are you ready to meet her? Elaine Mallon is an award-winning public relations and marketing veteran who began her professional career in entertainment publicity. In 2016, Elaine established Healing After the Loss of Your Mother, Grief Support, an online group and sacred space for those seeking comfort and community following their mother's death. Elaine's Grief Recovery Guidebook, Healing After the Loss of Your Mother, a Grief and Comfort Manual, is based on her own personal experience, from research on the topic, and from talking to hundreds of people at various stages of the mourning process. You can find out more about Elaine, you can find out about the book, and Elaine's work at healingafterthelossofyourmother.com. Elaine, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hey, Karen. Thank you for having me. What a warm welcome. Thank you for, for being here. Now, this book is a, is a step-by-step grief recovery guidebook. It's, it is deeply practical. And when you and I were talking about this interview, we kind of came up with the idea of maybe sharing some quotes from the book, and then we could discuss around the quotes. It feels to me like that's a good way to get the information to the listeners. Is that all right with you? I love it. Let the book speak for itself and we can chime in. How's that? Uh, that sounds good. Okay, so here's so number here's number 1. <laughs> they say your first love in life is your mother. You literally come from her and maybe that's why whether it's sudden or untimely or expected after a long illness, her death is so colossal. It feels like a part of you dies. It feels like a literal heartbreak. Yet a part of us heals just a little bit each time kindness touches our hearts. Compassion, empathy, understanding, comforting words, a listening ear, even self-care that allows those uncomfortable feelings to just be. Feeling into the emotion of that, of that quote, what would you like to say to people who are listening to this and, and nodding their heads? Yes, I know. Yes, I feel it too. Well, that's just it. I think when you're in grief, it's often hard times, um, hard to put all your emotions and feelings into words. I think that just says it in one big nutshell. The biggest thing is it acknowledges the magnitude of the loss. And I think until you've really walked through it, you're just not prepared for this kind of heartache. Um, it is deeply primal. It, it sometimes feels like you are dying, like a part of you has died. And I think when you've gone through it, the people reading at least told me they're grabbing onto this because it sums up their emotions in ways they can't. And another thing that's important is that it validates their pain and their feelings. And when you're going through loss like this, it can feel very lonely um, when people don't understand the depth of your pain. Um, when it talks about self-care, that's so important because during this whole process, you've got to take it really gently um, 
And we don't want self-care just from other people, but we want uh, to do it to ourselves as well. Just be gentle with yourself, gentle with your process, and just allow yourself to be in pain. Just allow yourself to let these uncomfortable feelings just be there. I know there's a place in the book where someone um, is talking about allowing their mother to still be their mother, even though their mother is in spirit. And sometimes that, what we learn about self-care, what we learn about um, having comfort and grief comes from our mothers. Exactly, exactly. And there's a void that's left, and I think that's a part of what we grieve. We, we grieve the physical loss of our mom, but we grieve who she was in our life. And a big part of that is that nurturer and that protector. And when she's gone, the pain is so deep because that loss is so deep. And when we learn to sort of step into that void, and learn to assume the role that she held for us, that's where some of the uh, healing begins. Well, and maybe that, maybe that's going to take us right up to that second quote, because that, one of the things that really affected me, now my mother's still in the physical body. Right. I've lost a lot of people who I have loved. Um, and so I know for just in my own experience about grief, I have not yet lost my mom. But one of the things that really touches me in the book is the, is that the way you kind of write into, feel into the rawness of that new grief. And mm-hmm. so I want to, the, the second quote sort of, set, can, it can help the listener see the nurturing tone of the book and also might frame what grief might look like. So let me share that second one. Okay. Early on, I remember hearing a true story in a grief support group about an older lady who came up to a woman while she was crying at her mother's grave. To paraphrase it, the sweet stranger leaned over and gently told her, people will tell you to be strong. Ignore them. You are allowed to fall apart, feel bad, and struggle, because when you need to be strong again, you will be. For now, cry, be sad, be angry, go ahead and fall apart, because that's how you become whole again. So this story I loved. I heard it in a grief support group early on. And, you know, I could read through a lot of books and I couldn't retain a lot, but the story for some reason really resonated with me because it showed the honesty of grief, that it's, it's something between you and your mother. When she's leaning over her grave, that's a, a love she's mourning on the deepest level. And for some stranger just to put their hand on her and gently tell her, ignore everybody else. It's not, let go of expectations you know, that you should do this quickly, let go of judgment that somehow you're not doing it right. You know, give yourself permission to fall apart, be in pain. And the part that I loved was because when you need to be strong again, you will be. I love that because when you're in the depth of it, it doesn't feel like you're ever going to get out of it. And I actually put a post-it up in in my bedroom um, that said, when I need to be strong again, I will be. And I looked at that every day, and, and that really got me through when I felt at times I couldn't. And, um, but this is kind of the blueprint of how you do it. You don't need to read 200 pages to know how to process grief. This sweet, gentle, nurturing story tells you how it's done. Well, and that it's okay if you want to go to bed and not get up again for a couple of days. It's okay. One of the, the things, this book is divided into, into two parts. So there's a part that's about the, for the, for the one who is grieving, the one who's experiencing the loss. And the second part is about how to help somebody who's grieving. And that part about experiencing the loss, there's kind of a timeline. 
you know, in the, in those first few weeks, there's a, usually a service or, um, and there's things, you know, things to get done, things to keep you busy. You may feel like you want to go to bed and not get up and that's okay. It's normal to feel that way, mm-hmm. that it's okay to not be strong. Exactly. You just, I think most of us don't know that we need to give ourselves permission to be in your pain, give yourself that space. It's not something that we can snap out of quickly, even if we want to. When they talk about processing your grief, it really is a process. You've really got to just take it through each emotion. And when these emotions come up, they're coming up to be healed. They're coming up to be seen and acknowledged and released. And the way forward is to kind of just go with it. It's not, it's not pleasant. <laughs> it can be messy. But the best way forward is to feel your feelings, allow yourself to be there, and then gently move forward when you're ready. No time limit. What do you think about those sort of ideas or methods? Like it's the five stages of grief. It's the seven stages of mourning a loss. It's the, what do you think about boxes like that? I think that does a huge disservice. First of all, they were never intended. It was introduced by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in, um, on death and dying. And it's a brilliant model about the five stages denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But they were only meant to describe the emotional progression of people who are coping with illness and dying. They were never intended to describe or reflect how a person grieves. So if we apply it to grief, and grief can be so messy, you're dealing with emotions. You take those five emotions and and multiply it by 100. Um, it's, It's messier than that, and it's not linear. So if people assume that's what grief should look like, Um, the biggest problem is we think we're doing something wrong because our emotions are far more intense and the process is so, you know, messy. Um, And she even said at the end of her career that the five-stage model was grossly misapplied to grief and how we we grieve the loss of a loved one. What she talked about was it being a very linear process and the bottom line and the reality is that there's no orderly progression through grief there's no set stages. It's, um, it's more like a roller coaster ride with highs and lows, twists and turns. Um, very messy and complex. And it's as individual as we are. You know, everyone's going to grieve differently. And that's kind of the confusing part. I liked thinking that grief would be bam, 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 get through those stages and I'm done. Check off the boxes next, move on with life. And it's not like that. And at the same time, now this is just from my experience, but I had a very dear friend pass through suicide. And as I grew, I still grieve her to this day. But as I was in that initial, that deeply intense, and when it's all the feelings at once, not just anything I can even make a list of, but just every emotion I could possibly imagine, all like a really thick sandwich of just everything smeared in together. I wanted to get through it, but I also wanted to not lose it because I was afraid that if I lost the intensity of that feeling, that I might be losing a part of her. Do you know what I mean? Can I tell you how normal that is? And I think that's another thing. When people, because grief is so misunderstood, so many things we go through is so common but what you just described is also something that's really common, and most people would dismiss it. Um, I, in some ways, was afraid of moving on from grief because I felt like that was that last thread that held me to my mom. 
It's that last connection. And I felt like if I let go of that, I'd be letting go of her or in some way feeling that her life didn't matter or that I was okay with it. And that's not what it's about. It's really about adjusting to, you know, her physical loss, your new life structure and changes in you and moving through it, but never letting go. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Elaine Mallon. Her new book is Healing After the Loss of Your Mother, A Grief and Comfort Manual. You can find out more about this book and about Elaine's work at healingafterthelossofyourmother.com. That, maybe this all kind of brings us to that idea of how to comfort someone who's grieving. The, the, the whole, whole second section of the book is about helping somebody understand what, what that grieving person is going through and some tips on kind of how to help and what to do and what not to do. Here's a, here's a quote from that section. You don't need to fully understand, relate, or agree with another person's feelings to be a part of their healing. You simply need the desire to help and comfort them by listening to what they are going through. By being there with love and without judgment, you help them feel less alone. Do you feel like people get scared, though, when someone they love is grieving and they, they don't know what to do and they don't know whether to back up or come closer or what if they say the wrong thing or what if they make it worse? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I felt the same way prior to this. So it's because we don't know and we don't talk about grief, especially about how deeply the death of a mother affects a person, we don't know what to do. We, we can't have compassion if you, if you really don't understand the pain. And, and that's kind of the point of this is that, you know, you really, you don't have to have lost your own mother, but you have to see somebody you know hurting. Um, and step forward and just try to be there in whatever way you can, to comfort in whatever way you can, because really it's about not doing something to fix it. Grief can't be fixed, but it's about being, just being present and and there for them. Um, now, for you, you had a good friend who stepped right up. What were some of the things that your friend did for you that were so helpful? Well, she was amazing. She We grew up together, um, what was it, a 35-year friendship or more? Wow. And she lives in Texas. I live in California. So she couldn't physically be here for me to do anything. But, man, she was the first call I made. She was the person who knew the relationship with my mother and could understand my, my pain on a level that maybe nobody else could. And she's the one that tried to step me through or get me through the first steps of, you know, what grief looked like, how we do it. But she was always there with comfort and nurturing and just advice. And the most important thing, just to listen. Um, because a lot of times you're repeating the story over and over again and that can be annoying to somebody who doesn't understand. That's actually part of processing your grief. But when she couldn't be here in person um, to do anything physically for me, she was really sweet. She had food delivered to my house. You know, she had made sure that I just had certain things delivered to my house, beauty supplies so I could take a bath and enjoy myself and try to relax. And that, So there's ways you can be present for somebody without being physically there. So you mentioned like sending sending food, maybe sending some self-care items. What are some other practical things that that people can do? Well, the 
in the beginning especially, the most important thing is don't ask them what they need because in the beginning they're not going to know. They're going to be so overwhelmed with their own emotions. The best thing you can do is offer. Say, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Can I drop off some food for you? Um, I'd love to do a grocery run for you, stock your cabinet full of easy-to-eat items. Um, Do you need stamps or letters or anything for uh, post-memorial correspondence? Um, Offer to take their dog for a walk. I mean, offer to do things for them because they really, they won't be thinking clearly. They won't ask half the time, but they desperately need that help. So it's really sweet if you can just offer rather than keep it a wide open invitation. So that's a lot different than let me know what I can do or if you need anything. That's kind of the polite pull the string and that's what you're supposed to say. And I think most of us think we're trying, we're extending ourselves and we're helping, but we're really offering nothing. So if you can be concrete and actually do something, and there's practical things people need too. if, If someone has kids... Offer to take the kids out for play dates because they're going to need a little vacation, a little time to cry by themselves, or you know if they have to be picked up from school. Those kind of things, they wouldn't. The friend probably would never ask that of you, but boy, would they love it if you offered it. And you know the big thing: buy extra Kleenex mm. and um, handkerchiefs because they will always go through those. Mm. And and some of that for us who are on the outside is maybe to be comfortable with seeing someone we love expressing that strong emotion. Exactly. Because, because sometimes that's, uh, sometimes we get scared of that. We can shut down, try to kind of step away from that. And it's a special kind of friend who can be with you and just let you cry. And you know, not only that, that is so key. Um, when you give someone the room to fall apart, you're giving them room to be exactly where they are. And it's that safe zone that says, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to get through it, and thank you for holding my hand through it. But a lot of friends also ask, you know, what if I cry in front of them? Am I supposed to keep myself together? I don't want to make it worse for them. And in some ways, at least in my experience, I welcome tears from my my friends. It showed me that, you know what, they're human too, and they actually gave me permission to not feel self-conscious in front of them. And it doesn't last this way forever, but... Again, when you're going through it and there's just no judgment on you, it's those little things that really do mean a lot. Now, you've been running on, uh, and this is a Facebook group, right? The Healing After the Loss of Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a closed group, just so people know. So if they comment, nothing will show up on their, their um, timeline. It's all private. That's good. That's good. So you've been running this group now for a few years. What are some of the things that people say has helped them the most to move forward? Because that support is really important. Right. Primarily when people are coming to groups like this, um, they're feeling very isolated and very alone in their grief. Um, And a lot of times the people in their lives may get tired of them hearing the same story again, or they may put that stopwatch on them and say, hey, it's time to move on. You've been grieving long enough. And the fact is, they have no idea the depth of pain that's going on inside them. And if they can't talk about it, they're not going to process it, and they're not going to heal very fast. You know, so you need a safe group of people that will just welcome you, wrap their arms around you, completely understand what you're going through, because they've been there. And it's a great way to look and see what people have done right, uh, maybe what 
books or videos or anything that, that's good out there that can help them. Um, but there's very little judgment in a group like that because there's so much compassion and it's just a very safe space to process uncomfortable feelings. Here's what you wrote in the book about, just a little quote about those grief support groups. People who lose their mother, especially those who are close to them, are in a club only they understand. They are among the few who can truly know what it does to a person. They possess a special compassion for others going through the same experience. Walking through grief can feel very lonely. Oftentimes people in our life just can't appreciate what we're going through or they grow tired of hearing about the subject. Some may want us to just get over it because they can't handle our pain and don't want to look at it. You may learn to stifle your true feelings just to make others more comfortable. As a result, you might feel even more misunderstood and alone. That's an important part of those groups, isn't it? That you don't, like you said, it doesn't show up in your timeline, so you can mm-hmm. comment or you can post. But to say what you feel and and to say what, what you truly feel in a group of people who will understand. Exactly, because you could say something... And if you haven't gone through it, you may look like a wacko. Um, you know, there's a lot of common feelings that we all have, and you're too embarrassed maybe to mention to anyone else. A very common one is if, if you've lost your mother and you're a woman, if you see a mother and daughter together, it is so common to have that twinge of jealousy. And then you feel like you might be being petty or shallow or mean or it's just not your nature, but it's... It's a horrible feeling, and it's, it's a horrible to admit that you're actually feeling those feelings. But the thing is, when you see that everyone else is feeling those same feelings, or a number of people, you see that you're not being petty, you're in pain. And there's a way of, of kind of taking those common emotions, common experiences, common reactions, and see how, how everyone else is going through sort of the same experience. And then you feel, okay, you're not crazy you're not alone. It kind of taps the brake on you, putting the pressure on yourself to be perfect. Elaine, can you tell the listeners how they can get the book and um, walk them through how to find that support group on Facebook? Sure. Well, the book is, they can go to my website to get both, actually. It's uh, www.healingafteryourmother.com. There's a link to the Facebook group there. And uh, on the Amazon link and the book is available on paperback and ebook. Uh, it's also available on Apple Books and at Barnes and Noble and Walmart. Um, and coming to a bookstore near you. We're in the process of getting that out there. Oh, that's great because yeah. this is something that all of us will lose our mothers. Yeah. And this is something that's very needed in, in the world. Elaine, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it, Karen. Thank you so much. That is Elaine Mallon. Her new book is Healing After the Loss of Your Mother, a Grief and Comfort Manual. You can find out more about Elaine and her work. You can find a link to that Facebook group at healingafterthelossofyourmother.com. And of course, I always welcome you to check out karenhager.com. When you are going through transition, whether that's something that you are celebrating or something that you're mourning, sometimes it helps to have an empathic listener. Sometimes it helps to have somebody with a little intuitive insight to help reframe and help you focus on what you're going through. I think of the work that I do intuitively as like I'm someone who holds a really bright flashlight and I can shine that in some of the corners to give you courage to look at what you need to look at and 
to pick up the tools to help you move forward. So at KarenHager.com, you can learn about upcoming classes and events. You can find out how to book a private session with me if you are so inclined. You'll also see there a little mysterious link that says, what is the Heart of Abundance? The Heart of Abundance is the class that I'm writing. It's not done yet, but it's a class that I'm writing about a new way of looking at the law of attraction and the principle of abundance, a way that takes it from something outside of ourselves. If I say these three things in this order, if I repeat again and again, I have a pony, I have a pony, surely then I will have a pony. It shifts it from outside now to inside. What are some adjustments we can make, shifts in perspectives in the heart to step into the heart of our own abundance, to shine that big light I was talking about a minute ago into our own true abundance. And from that place, we manifest healing and growth and change. When you go to karenhigger.com slash abundance, you can click a little thing to get a free, it's about a two and a half minute audio, little prayer to open up the heart center that I've recorded for you. And you'll be on the list for registration when that class opens up. As soon as I finish writing it, the class will open up. karenhager.com slash abundance. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.